So welcome back to the Smoke Pit. My name is Dan, and um, sorry to say, but we had to fire our co-host, uh, Mike Sensi. Uh, he was just too drunk and unprofessional all the time, so we have a replacement here. Uh, Anne, why don't you take it away? Hey, I'm Anne O'Neill. Nice to meet you guys. So what are we talking about today, Anne? Uh, we can talk about literally anything, anything you want. <laughs> it's, your, uh, it's your show. <laughs> I'm just Mike's replacement. Yeah, we're just kidding about that. He uh, He's overseas on a work trip right now, and so we uh, have a fierce demand for content. Uh, you savages want us to do two episodes a week, but we don't have the, the mental energy or the jokes to be able to put out that much content. So Anne is a, a friend of ours. She's kind enough to step in. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? So I live in Hampton Roads along with you and Mike. And uh, been here most of my life. Grew up in a military family, which is pretty common in this area. And I'm a law enforcement officer in the area. Fantastic. Uh, What has been the most surprising thing about law enforcement? It is literally tickets to the greatest show on earth. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's so many times where I'm sitting there and I'm just looking at my coworkers and I'm just thinking, is this real life? Is this actually happening right now? Is this the real life or is it fantasy? <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. I think I broke some uh, <laughs> some window pane somewhere. <laughs> off key and off pitch. I'm a man of many talents. You know, a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> so uh, without, without giving too much away, just for uh, OPSEC reasons, uh, she uh, works in probably the most colorful part of this area. Uh, we have seven cities that kind of encompass uh, an hour driving radius or so, and I would probably say my, my least favorite <laughs> area is where she works. We can call it Detroit. Okay. Yeah, I um, I almost got carjacked there. <laughs> like, I was literally sitting at a stop sign. Um, I take this gal out to breakfast, and she's a bit of a ditz, and so she stops at the stop sign, and she's, you know, um, you're looking at Pinterest or something dumb, and this uh, car with, like, these big hoopty rims comes screaming out in front of us blocks the intersection two guys get out and so you know i hit the uh the automatic button on the windows i hang my glock out the window and they get back in their car and, and drive away and i was like drive she's like what do you mean like we almost got carjacked like drive like well, what do you, I just, like, just don't don't ask any questions just drive like pedal the metal well, you don't have to be mean and yell at me like we almost died like drive woman ah <sighs> I remember you telling me that story the first night we met. Yeah. And I don't have many stories. The, the area, <laughs> don't call me out. <laughs> the the area that you described that happening in is actually like a nicer part of town. <laughs> That's like the sad thing about it. But uh definitely definitely a uh a very Detroit city. Okay. Very Detroit story. So the um, there are a lot of similarities between the uh, you know the military and law enforcement. There's a uh, if you had a, a Venn diagram, you know, there there would be a lot in the in the middle. Uh, what do you think are some things that are unique to the uh, the Leo or the law enforcement officer? For those of you who don't know the acronym, uh, what do you think? There are a few things that are specifically unique to that that you may not necessarily see in the military. Um, I would probably say, as someone who's never served in the military before, something that's unique to law enforcement is a certain level of empathy that you have to have for people or at least express to people regardless of whether or not you identify with their lifestyle okay so oftentimes we find ourselves you know comforting you know family members who just lost somebody who may have been not that great of a person they may have been a drug dealer or you know previous history of violent crimes you still have to show a level yeah. of empathy even though let's face it you know it's Maybe a bad they, guy. <laughs> they might have deserved it you know yeah yeah that's interesting you know like he uh you know he might have been robbing a store you know he might have been on drugs he might be a type to clap on the plane lands uh, you know just terrible people um you know it's okay to laugh at my jokes <laughs> i'm kidding um hey, let's be honest we know that you're funny yeah 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 <laughs> I uh, once that one came out, I was just like, "Man, Dan, like I, I really expect more of you." So I was disappointed in myself in that joke, but I'll, I'll do better. That's all you can ever ask for. <laughs> I mean, it, when you're working in law enforcement, 
humor is such an important and integral like part of what we do because that's how you decompress. You see a lot of traumatic stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times, oftentimes it ends up being a punchline or a joke of sorts. Oh yeah. And I think that's kind of unique to the the law enforcement perspective where in the military, you know, you have guys may go on one or two deployments and you know they're overseas for seven or nine months. But you know, in the law enforcement, you know, you wake up, you know, five, six days a week, if not more. Uh, if you know, if you work um, overtime and such, and you, you put on the uniform, you put on the body armor, you put on the duty belt, and you know you go out and you do things and you see things. As where like the military, you might have some guy who gets rocketed or you know uh, one IED attack in their entire deployment. They you know they milk it for the rest of their life. Where you have law enforcement who might experience you know uh, you know dozens, if not hundreds, of shitty situations over the course of a twenty year career. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I've definitely made into my career like this is what I want to do for you know the next 25 years until I'm able to retire so just in the five years that I've been in law enforcement I've seen so many different things um, funny things sad things uh, interesting things I've learned so much in that span of time it's just kind of mind-boggling so say you were on a podcast with a cute guy and you wanted to impress him with uh, with a funny story what would be your go-to Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> I would probably say, okay, so I've got this, like, really cute guy sitting next to me, which, BT-dubs, between the fuck, marry, kill that you guys do every week, 10 out of 10 would marry. Um, uh, you're too kind. The uh, I'm the, blushing. I'm glad you guys can't see me. The, the story that I would probably go to um, actually is a pretty recent one, so it's very, like, fresh in my memory. Um, get dispatched to a 911 hangup. So there's different nature codes um, that dispatchers will send you to. And it's just like a kind of catch-all category. If someone picks up the phone, they call 911. They don't really know what's going on. They can't get much out of the person who's calling. They send you to it as a 911 hangup. Yeah, um, our executive producer, Mike, EP Mike, he, uh, he had something like that recently. He, uh, he put the belt too tight around his neck when he was autoerotic asphyxiation. And um, he called 911, but then the buckle broke and he was able to breathe again. He's like, oh, no, we're good. So you can imagine my embarrassment when, uh, when I thought it was going to be Jimmy John's at the door. And <laughs> you know, it was paramedics, law enforcement. And I got, you know, EP Mike still upside down in his gravity boots. Uh, massive dong hanging out. And it was just a very embarrassing situation. Massive? Yeah. Is that your opinion or everyone's opinion? I, I, I think the, uh, the Hubble telescope verified it. Wait. They're, they're like, oh, we can see the Great Wall of China. Oh, my God. No, that's just CP Mike. Oh, fair enough. Yep. So I go to this 911 hangup. I would just like to say, like, I can read in her eyes that her answers for the fuck, Mary kill just changed. <laughs> All right. You guys can't see it. <laughs> see? Now she's blushing. <laughs> Yeah. Great red. Thank God there's <laughs> no video or cameras at all today. Yeah, but you're kind of fair skinned, so I think like, you know, three ultraviolet beams and you'd probably have a sunburn anyways. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> um, I'm beyond the pale. Uh, I spent most of my career so far on midnights, so. But not as pale as co-host Mike. This is true. Yeah, but he is, he's a solid ivory. Yeah, I'm definitely um, a night walker, though, for sure. <laughs> so... We go to this uh, this nine one one hang up, and there's this lady, and she's in front of this like little corner store, like mini mart um, in the city, and she's got a cut on like above her brow, and her face is swollen, and I'm like, what happened? So she goes through this story, and she tells me that she goes to this house um, that's a known trap house. Um, and for our listeners, can you just, uh, can you explain what a trap house is? So a trap house is basically a it's a shell of a house. People don't really live there. They just buy drugs or do drugs in the house. Okay, because I thought it was a place with like really good music. So when I accepted an invitation to a trap house for later this evening, I, I feel like I've been bamboozled. Just make sure you do lots of crack. Okay. Yeah. That's the key? Yes, that is the key, and <laughs> you will enjoy your time in the uh, the trap house for sure. Yeah, or the uh, or the county lockup. Wouldn't that be embarrassing, though? You know, like, you, you get dispatched to a call, and it's like me just zooted out. Like, really, Dan? Like, really? I mean, but, like, with those baby blues, at least you'd have a decent mug shot. Yeah, unless you, like, pepper sprayed me. I mean, I reserve that for special people. Because, <laughs> trust me, as... 
being as fair-skinned as I am, that stuff's just as spicy for me, and you Ooh. always end up getting it on you when you're spraying somebody. <laughs> it's not a good time. Title of my sex tape. Gift gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> a, another title for your sex tape. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, uh, talking to this woman, and she says that she went to this trap house to buy crack. And she, and she freely admitted that. Yes. She, she freely, didn't say bubble gum or hot dogs. No, no, like. no. She definitely said, I went to go to this house to buy crack. And I don't know the drug dealers who sell from the house. So I use this middleman who does buy from this house. Okay. So this middleman brings her the drugs. Um, she It was like $10 crack rock. So Is that a lot or a little? Um, So if you think about it, a gram is probably worth about $100 street value okay so it's a tenth of a gram and so is that like enough to get like uh like an average person fucked up or is it like ten dollar crack rock and is that like like not enough to get a crackhead fucked up but enough to like you know blow my mind it's enough to make you want to break into a house and steal its copper oh wow yeah that's uh that seems like for ten dollars yes ten dollars gosh you go you go to the you go to a local bar and buy a cocktail for ten dollars and all that does is make you have to pee yeah, lots of lots of bang for your buck. Also, lots of uh, missing teeth. You're gonna start losing teeth. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, like, you're kind of making this appealing. There's, there's kind of a hang up to doing crack. And oh, I'm is, sure there uh, are several. Filled filled with poor life choices. <laughs> um, like admitting you went to a trap house to buy crack to a police officer. <laughs> probably not the first time in her life she said that. Probably not the last either. But. The best part about this story is not the fact that she's telling me that she went to go buy crack because, you know, when you arrest people, you interview them and you talk to them and you try to develop a dialogue, figure out, you know, why they do what they do, things like that, just so you can be a better police officer, especially as far as investigations go. Yeah. Like learning like street lingo and like who the players are and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So talking with this woman, she tells me that she was... uh, she confronted the dealer because she said that the crack that he gave her was fake. And fake crack. Fake crack. Like that, who would fake a ten dollar crack rock? Like that just seems like a more effort than it's worth. Especially with like all the torn off baggies. Like I can tell you right now, the whole process of making crack, cooking it, packaging, distributing, weighing it out, all those all of the different components used in distribution of crack, like, it's so not worth the money. I don't even understand why. Yeah, and then if you piss your customer stuff. off, like, you literally have a crackhead who's going to come break into your home. Like, and steal your copper. <laughs> and steal your copper, <laughs> which we don't have a lot of copper in here, so. Yeah. So. They uh, passed the diamonds and the electronics, went straight for the copper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, copper is probably worth more than a TV, let's be honest. Yeah, that's that's fair. We, um. We get about three to five cents a pound for regular scrap metal, uh, like with appliances and stuff um, at the the place here. And you get a little bit more than that for copper. So, I mean, depending on the volume that you take, like you might be able to buy several crack rocks with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I think that this lady is all about she's on that train. She definitely wants to buy all of the crack. (laughs) Not just some of it. All of the crack. All of the crack. Dave Chappelle it. level crack. Yes. Just wants one giant volleyball sized crack rock. Yes, absolutely. I think she would probably die of happiness if she saw before she even smoked it. Yeah, she yeah. would just you know collapse and just complete euphoria at seeing a volleyball size. So I think that's what rock. we do. Uh, we solve the drug problem. We get a lot of white out, uh, paint a volleyball so it looks like a crack rock, which I'm assuming that's what it was. I've, I've never seen one. Um, and uh, is there a statute limitation on things that you can admit or no, we'll just we'll just skip by that. Uh, ignore <laughs> me. <laughs> and so, yeah. So you show this volleyball, you know, pants look like a crack rock to crackhead. They drop dead. And you're like, boom, one less crackhead. Moving on. You know, I mean, <laughs> just the thing is, is when one one is gone, 10 more come in its place. Oh, wow. It sounds like a, like a zombie apocalypse. Pretty much. Um, Petroit is very much so a city of zombies, <laughs> so, the Walking Dead. Uh, so she admits that she wasn't happy with the uh, the quality of the product that she purchased. Yes. So I am sitting there talking to her that you know, hey, we don't know the real the the person who assaulted her. She provided his street name, his alias. Yeah, which I'm sure you can't say. Right, but um. So can we co- refer to him as EP Mike? 
We can refer to him as E.P. Mike. All right, so E.P. Mike uh, sold her very bad crack cocaine. So E.P. Mike sells her like fake crack. Okay, so not bad, like low quality, just just, like impostination. That's not a word. (laughs) (laughs) It can be today. (laughs) We're talking about crackheads, like yeah, I'm not the subject matter expert. (laughs) So impersonation and imposter. I try to combine those two. I do it once an episode. If you haven't been listening, so fuck off. Just deal with it. <laughs> so she buys this fake crack and she realizes it's fake. And the best part about this entire encounter, she didn't want me to take a report for the assault. You know, of course, I call medics to assess her medically, make sure that she's okay. She denies any sort of medical attention. And what you do is kind of like, you know, kind of like cover your bases, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because the last thing you want is to like, have someone who's been assaulted and then they say that you didn't do anything to help them you yeah. know, with their injuries. And you get so many calls that I think it's unfair that like when you have to do have to go to trial that, you know, like they, they'll pull you pull you guys up on the stand and be like, you know, on this day at, you know, zero dark 30, you know, four months ago, did you or did you not do this? And you're like, may I please refer to my report? Because like, I don't remember shit. <laughs> it all bleeds together. At least that's the way it was for like when we were doing detaining ops in Iraq. Like I don't remember shit. All the days blur together. So I'm like, look, if it's in the report, it's in the report. If it's not, it's not. Like, what, what do you want from me? Yeah, and that's how it normally goes when stuff goes to trial. You refer to your notes. You watch your body camera footage, which you know would be a lot of me dancing in the mirror if I was a cop. <laughs> I was kind of dreading coming on this podcast because I sit there and I watch my body camera footage and I hear my voice and I just yeah. cringe at my own voice. Oh well, we'll so take I'm sorry the for talking. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll have EP Mike change your voice to like a Samuel L. Jackson-esque kind of like. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. And so uh, if you could just say motherfucker uh, like more frequently so it would be more natural. Oh, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Hold my beer, motherfucker. <laughs> there it is. So she denies medical attention. <laughs> she denies medical attention. I'm sorry. I keep attention. interrupting your conversation by being charming and hilarious, but uh, please continue. I mean, you're the reason why women want to marry you. Oof, like, I, I, I can't I can't blame them. And I can't <laughs> I can't hold you back from being the Dan that you are. You know, I, I'm a peacock. You got to let me fly. Yep. <laughs> Which they don't really fly. Hey, the one that attacked me in Spain <laughs> flew just, you know, flew just fine. Okay. I don't know if it was more of a controlled glide in its crane kick that it delivered upon me, but it seemed like it was flying. If any listeners have video footage of that, you better DM fucking me. keep it to yourself <laughs> if you know what's good for you. The WikiLeaks thing out there. No, that son of a bitch just got arrested. Fuck him. Yeah. He probably has the footage. Had it coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. More ways than one. So this woman decla- like declines any sort of medical attention. And um, I'm explaining to her, like, you know, look, the only thing I can do is take a report if you find out this person's real name. Like yeah. their government name, as they call it. Yeah. On the streets. Uh, you know, you can call records and update the report and you can take out a warrant for assault because what happened was when she conf- like confronted the drug dealer he EP proceeded Mike. to yeah EP Mike proceeded to beat her ass like fuck you EP Mike how are you going to sit there and beat this lady's ass after, after you, selling yeah. her fake drugs <laughs> after selling her fake crack so the cherry on top well there's actually two cherry on tops on just the, the way i like it Uh, The first one is that she didn't even want me to do a report for the assault. She didn't care that she was assaulted by a drug dealer, E.P. Mike. I'm looking at you. Allegedly. (laughs) Who sold her fake drugs. She wanted me to go to E.P. Mike and get her $10 back. Like, hey, I use this money to go buy drugs and I'm going to use it to go buy more drugs. <laughs> May if I please have it back? Me, can, can you go get my money back? So you're not going to spend this drug on drugs, are you? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. She told me straight up. I was like, well, say I go to this house, you know, in Detroit, and I get your money back, and I give it to you. What are you going to spend spend it on? She's like, I'm going to go find another dealer. I'm like, Okay. She was persistent and very adamant about wanting to smoke crack. She's like, <laughs> that was her goal for the night. You know, uh, simple goals are often the most obtainable. 
sadly in this story, the second cherry on top was she had a warrant. So no, <laughs> and she called the cops. <laughs> she called the cops with a warrant on herself yeah. to confess about doing drugs. Yeah, she, or uh, attempting to purchase drugs. She had an outstanding warrant from another jurisdiction in the mm-hmm. area, and so not only did she buy fake drugs, she got her ass beat. <laughs> And then she had to go to jail. <laughs> Hell of a night. So obviously, of course, even though she doesn't want me to do a assault report, I have to CYA and do the report anyway. You know, in the event that something comes down, because you never know, might as well have the documentation for it. So yeah, I do cover the your bases. And sometimes in lineup especially on midnights we like to do word of the day (laughs) so word of the day is one example is vestibule which is like that sounds like a word i would have made up you know (laughs) you can claim it (laughs) (laughs) so like for example one night the sergeant says okay word of the day is vestibule so your goal is to incorporate it on the radio or in a report Nice. So, you know, real super troopers kind of stuff. Exactly. You yeah. know, like Echo Vestibule Mike 4732 on a red Ford Explorer, <laughs> one occupant, you know, if you're calling out a traffic stop. Oh my God. Yeah. So, you got to have a little bit of fun, especially if you're working in a high stress environment, you know, running call to call, you know, especially in Detroit. You know, one of the nicknames is Pistol City. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of gun violence in that city. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was another time I was just minding my business at a red light and somebody started shooting at me. Jesus. You yeah. didn't tell me that story. No, that was uh, probably, I think, when I first moved to the area, like five or six years ago. Um, I was going out to, to pick up one of my staff sergeants because he and I were going to uh, drive up to D.C. to the weekend because we both had business up there and we were going to carpool. And so he's like, hey, you know, uh, my... Uh, it was either his, co- his, his dog or his kid, but one of, one of the two shit on the floor and he had to clean it, uh, which as a, if you're a parent or you're a pet owner, you know, it legitimately could have been either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am un- unencumbered because I like to travel too much. <laughs> so uh, the only person who shits on my floor is EP Mike. And Thank you, EP Mike. Yep. Selling fake drugs, shitting on the floor, having a massive dong visible from space. He's a very diverse man. He's been doing really good with the podcast recently, so he's just he's the second shittiest producer in the world now. No longer the worst. So round of applause for him. <laughs> so I uh, I get there and he's like, yeah, it's, uh, someone shit on the floor. I have yet to identify the culprit. I'm like, all right, Roger. I pull up my phone. There's a subway around the corner. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a sandwich. And so I'm driving a subway, sitting at a red light, and then, uh, you know, like the, the all too familiar uh, pop, you know, whiz, pop crack and I'm like, oh, well, somebody is displeased at my presence at, all alone at this intersection. So I, I pull my pistol out, which Virginia is awesome with concealed carry permit. Like it took me like two weeks to get. Uh, so it actually feels good to be able to legally carry a weapon um, versus like if you're somewhere like California or D.C. where, you know, you can't carry and it's number one bullshit. Uh, but Fuck so, California. Yeah, right. Uh, especially the, uh, the the alimony laws. There, those are some fucking I've seen too many dudes who get stationed in California and their wives wait till they get to California to file for divorce because they know that they'll get more money out there. And uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, I pull my pistol, punch the gas, uh, you know, run the uh, run the the intersection and I was out of there. And so I make my way back to his house. and I was like, dude, fucking somebody just shot at me. He's like, oh, yeah, that happens here. Yep. It. Yep. Yeah. I figured it's just kind of like maybe like the way they celebrate, you know, like Kobe drained a three-pointer to win the game, and they're like, pop, 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 like in, in the Middle East. Oh, see, uh, on New Year's. Oh, Lord. Every every New Year's, I've got a few different videos from like when I was working, um, just listening to the city when it strike when the clock strikes 12, like, hello, you're in Fallujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... um. So that, that I think that's kind of um, where the the Venn diagram would intersect is the with the similarities between you know, law enforcement and the military is like you mentioned the dark humor, the uh, the the fact that you, when you're performing your duties, generally something went wrong. 
Um, there aren't many times in the military, you know, overseas or in law enforcement where you're performing your duties and you're like, oh, gee, Willikers, like this went better than expected. There's been several times where I'm like, well, that went better than I could have hoped for, I guess. <laughs> no, but just like the situation in general. Oh, like yeah. very, very few times you get a dispatch call because they're giving out free tacos to uniform love. <laughs> I can, hand to God, I've never been dispatched to a call where they're like, hey, I need you to respond to this location because they have free tacos for you. Right. You like, know, <laughs> or margaritas. Yeah. Or like, oh, there's a there's a schoolgirl who would like to read you a poem. Shit. I'll take a Gatorade. You know, like, <laughs> hey, like they're handing out free Gatorades for people. Like normally if they're handing like handing out, you know, waters or Gatorades, it's because it's the command bus and some shit went really bad. Yeah. And I'm tied up on something. And yeah. Ooh, tell yeah, me more about that. You know. About uh, the command bus? No, being tied up on something. Oh, kinky. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Handcuffs go on criminals, not on me. Uh, see, the, the unfortunate thing about being a larger man is that uh, it's very difficult to get my hands all the way behind my back. Uh, so being handcuffed is, uh, you know, well, my hands behind my back is a legit fear of mine. Well, don't fret because it's pretty standard practice for officers to carry two sets of cuffs. Ooh. That's uh that, that that is relieving because mm-hmm. I you know I have this feeling that uh, I'll either be with co-host Mike or EP Mike and they'll do something stupid uh, as they're drinking as they are known to do, and I will be the one who gets tased and arrested for it because <laughs> I am the larger. So when they look over to the group, they see me and they're like, okay, he's the biggest threat. Let's take him out first, and then I'll end up in the back of a squad car with two dislocated shoulders. <sighs> Yeah, they would probably put on one set at first, and then if you're like, hey, I've got shoulder issues, or hey, this is really uncomfortable, they normally slip on two sets. Yeah, because I never listened to detaining when they said that shit. I'm like, well, sucks to suck. Back to the seven ton. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess, especially, here's, like, I guess another difference between law enforcement and military is typically military personnel are dealing with subjects who are not u.s citizens yeah you know or not even u.s citizens but people observation yeah yeah so obviously we have to be a lot more pc we have to be a lot more mindful as far as civil rights and violating you know people's rights and things like that following case law and you know trying to be as educated as you can about what you do yeah that makes sense so for the uh the the remainder of the episode any um any abusive detainees that i may or may not speak to is a fan fiction that i'm writing um (laughs) about (laughs) and not actual examples of things myself or my um my constituents may may have actually done but there, there was a time where we uh we got a raid um, and so it's middle of the night. We're, we're up by the Euphrates River, Al-Ambar province, uh, near the Syrian border. And we uh, set the cord in. We do the raid, pull the guy out. You know, we have a flexi cuff. We have the blindfold on. We're taking him to the truck. And he's just like, uh, in Arabic, he's like, you know, uh, don't worry about these cocksuckers. Like, you know, they'll get theirs. Um, you know, the, I won't even make it to the base. Like, you know, my brother's going to get me. And he's yelling this to his family, like his reassurance, like, cause his mom and his sisters and little brother are all, you know, crying and screaming and pleading and all that stuff. And one of our Marines was Egyptian. He spoke fluent Arabic. And so he was like, Oh really? Motherfucker. Let's just say by the time that dude got back to base, um, he had a bit of an attitude adjustment. Yeah. Um, allegedly. I mean, that's typically the effect OC has on people, <laughs> or taser, or asp, just based on my experience. Oh, man, I was, wait, uh, I wasn't expecting the P at the end of that word. Oh, asp, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, like, man, you know, like, you really need to fix your attitude. What do you want? <laughs> do you want the taser? Do you want the pepper spray? Or do you want some ass? I'd be like, can I have the latter, please? Like, I, 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 I'm feeling compliant. Throw, throw that ass on my circle, girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that awkward when it's uh, that awkward moment when it's my very large Mexican male coworker who's <laughs> covered in tattoos and probably two hundred and forty pounds, like yeah. throwing his ass in a circle. Nice. No, no bueno. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and so we heard that, and then uh, I heard a lot of crash, and you know, so I sent two of my boots. Um, which uh, well, what do you guys call like uh, rookies? Um, I've, I've seen yeah, enough TV. Rookies, yeah. Is that what you guys actually call them, or is that Hollywood? Sometimes, well, sometimes I'll call them rookies. Um, like, hey, rookie. Especially the the department I work for is such a new and young department. Like, 
I personally am like the most senior person for my district on midnights. Oh, wow. For the platoon I work on. Um, and there's two midnight platoons. So the fact that I'm the most senior person at five years kind of is a huge indicator for you as far as like how young the department really is. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you don't know someone's name, if they're in field training or because a lot of times like if it's a recruit that's in field training, you may not have a chance to interact with them enough to learn their name. Um, so you can call them rookie. Sometimes you call them boot. But, you know, at the okay. end of the day, they're still the fucking new guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, FNG, the fucking new guy uh, for, you know, army listeners, boot is what we refer to as like the new guy. Because you, you think about like, you know, troops showing up to um, different conflicts. You know, it's easy to distinguish them because they have brand new boots on versus, you know, the old the old salts or uh, take it back a little further. The nautical days where, you know, they're swabbing the deck and the bottom of the boots were, you know, um, done with leather and they didn't have grips like we do now. So if you were swabbing the deck and wearing your boots, you would slip and fall and all the, you know, all the salt dogs would laugh at you and call you a boot. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're sitting there and I hear this loud crash. And so I, you know, I, I look over at two boots. And I'm like, hey, you know, go check that out. So the boots fuck off. And they come out with, like, the mom, and, like, one of them kind of has, like, it, she's, like, an old fucking lady, and she's, like, to the point where she's, like, old and, like, brittle, so he doesn't want to, like, manhandle her. And so he's kind of, like, gently has his uh, his hand in, like, the crook of her elbow, like, like you know, you lead, like, a like a bratty kid. And the other guy comes out, and he's got uh, an AKS and a 100-round uh, drum mag in his hand. And so apparently, like, she was, uh, she had gone into a cache and pulled out this uh, AK, uh, AKS, like, the, the short stock. I'm... I, it's been a while since I, I fucking boned up on my... So don't fucking send me DMs like, oh, you should fucking know. Like, fuck you. Uh, the short-stocked AK with a 100-round drum. And she was going to put that fucking drum in and come and smoke all of us. Not just some of us. All of us. Like, she had enough rounds for me and my friends. Grandma don't give a shit. <laughs> no, not at all. But, you know, she's old and she has brittle hands. So uh, she was trying to load this very heavy drum mag. You know, it fell out of her hand and broke a glass table. And we were just like... We looked at her like, really? Like... That definitely needs to be an arthritis commercial, like an arthritis <laughs> medication commercial. Do you need to kill some Marines, but your hands are too tired? And she's like, well, walk by. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I, I kind of was just like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Are we going to arrest this old ass lady? Like, yeah, granted, she just tried to kill. But it was that dark humor. Like, well, sucks to suck. Like, you know, your son's going to jail and now we're going to beat him up even more. <laughs> and so we just confiscated the weapon. He just kind of like told her to fuck off. Because uh, obviously she's not that big of a threat, and you know we're not gonna be the dude who you, because they're super sensitive about women over there. Like if you like arrest a woman, like you have to like take her husband with you as like an objective witness, which is really fucking weird. That is she's, so bizarre. Yeah, because like yo, we caught her with fucking you know um, IED making materials like underneath her burka and shit. Like she's a criminal. I couldn't imagine getting like a female or who's a female who's a drug dealer and being like, hey. Baby daddy, I need you to come with me so you can testify. Like, <laughs> Not to husband. The, to the facts. Yeah. Yeah, which baby daddy? And they're like, one, two, three, not it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so we're just like, all right, we're not going to arrest this old-ass lady because the last thing we need is a protest outside the fucking base because they don't care that she was a terrorist. They care that she's an old lady. You know, like, you could fucking, you know, arrest all the young kids in the world. Nobody gives a shit. They're like, yeah, they're shitheads. So, like, uh, surprisingly, a lot of other Iraqis that I met had a strong sense of judgment and justice where... Um, it was mainly foreign fighters who would come into the area and kind of try to blend in with the local population, maybe rent or buy a home, but they weren't from there. Right. And cause you know, you don't, you know, you know, you don't shit in your own backyard. So it wasn't the guy, you know, who lives in the corner store, you know, who's, uh, blowing up his own shop with an RBG trying to get at us, you know, like that dude comes to work the next day and his store's blown up and he's like, what the fuck, man? You know? Yeah. And so I think in that aspect, you know, you try to, uh, you try to have regards for, you know, the, the locals, because those are the kind of people that, you know, will give you intelligence. They'll be like, oh, hey, like, you know, watch out for that guy. Like, he just moved here and nobody knows him. And like, all right, cool. So, you know, we go search his compound, you know, we find weapons caches. And you're like, all right, like, good deal. You know, like fist bump, like, you know, here's here's some American cigarettes or some Pepsi or whatever they like, you know. That's kind of like the difference between being in the military and being in law enforcement. Oftentimes, most of the culture and I have to const like constantly remember that ninety nine percent of the people that I, that are out there in the world are not bad. They are not bad people. You know, they may have some negative qualities, but as do we all. You know, ultimately they're good people. Yeah. 
you know, I just happen to encounter the 1% that are either in crisis, they're in an emergency, or, you know, they're just a really bad person. You know, they're breaking the law, they're doing robberies, violent crimes, you know, they're beating their wife or their girlfriend, whatever the case may be. Um, But the cultural difference between the people that live in the communities that I work in is I've literally stood over someone who is dying and I said who shot you you're dying I know snitch and then he proceeded to gurgle 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 and that was you know his dying declaration but that's the huge cultural difference is you have someone who has been the victim of a violent crime they end up succumbing to their injuries and they die from those and they're still not going to tell you who did it because they think that they're going to make it out of that tunnel. You know, they think they're going to stay in the fight and they're going to pull through, but... Oh, gosh, I'd be dropping all kinds of names. I'd be like, it was my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. It was was Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Both of them. (laughs) Yeah, it was Hillary Clinton and my ex-girlfriend. Like, Wait, you didn't date Hillary Clinton. No, I said and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And. Just just clarifying, clarifying. Honestly, I, I think given the opportunity, I might. Because I am fairly suicidal, so, like, you know, if I had the chance to have, you know, suicide by Hillary, like, I might take it. Um, They're both pretty vitriolic people, like (laughs) your ex and Hillary. Oof. Yeah. Oof. (laughs) So, um, if if there was any sort of uh, misconception or any sort of... uh, um, false notions about what it's like to, to be a law enforcement officer that you wanted to be able to speak to like you know what, what would you tell people there's so many it really depends on the person because at the end of the day something that I've learned and I don't take anything personally anymore um, I take a lot of things very personally <laughs> like it, at work anyway yeah you like know. gas went up three cents a gallon I'm like this is an attack on me and my desire to, to travel and my desires to be happy I'm disappointed <laughs> No, uh, when it comes to law enforcement, um, I don't take anything personally. I've had people say some really crazy fucked up things to me. Um, yeah. And I don't take it personally. You know, if someone lies to me about who they are because they have a warrant, I don't take it personally. You know, it used to be very frustrating when someone was deceitful or would lie to you or, you know, alter things or try to obstruct your investigation. Um, as time goes on, you just kind of learn not to take it personally. Yeah. Um, but if there's one truth that I've learned um, in my five years is that perception is reality. Um, the perception of the people that I encounter from day to day is if I'm a bad guy to them in their eyes because of my uniform, because of what I do, because of what I stand for, I'm a bad guy to them. There's no changing their perception. And I can sit there and, you know, be cool with them. And, you know, a lot of times, especially if you're dealing with a group of people, someone will pipe up because they're trying to flex for their friends. They're trying to show, like, fuck the police, you know. And oftentimes, if you sit there and you're like, look, man, I'm not trying to carry you. I'm not trying to disrespect you in front of your friends. If you have that honest conversation with them, like, look, I'm just doing my job. They tend to understand. But at the same token, a lot of times they would much rather handle their business on the street. Yeah. You know, they don't want us involved. Um, Yeah. So if like, um, you know, EP Mike sells your fake crack, it would be easier to, uh, you know, get your get your homies together and go right on his podcast versus following a, a report like a nerd. Yeah. Like, what a nerd who calls the police when they've got a warrant. Yeah, you know? and EP Mike sells a lot of fake crack. So, you know, there'd be a lot of nerds if that was the case, but there aren't. Yeah, good thing, like, you Keeping know. Keeping it real. Only have, only have a few buddies <laughs> who uh, work work in this city. So, EP Mike, you may be getting a knock on your door. Just don't don't mind the light and sound device. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm sorry, for, for the, the military folks, sorry, that's a very... Uh, federal court testimony phrase for flashbangs. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> or as I call them, a Tuesday night. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. I typically reserve them for Sundays. Ooh. Yeah. The Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord said, let there be light. <laughs> uh, steering away for that before I end up in hell. Um. 
Okay. Oh, it's okay. I'm riding shotgun. Oh, man, maybe we, maybe we can correct that destination. I hear Fiji's nice this time of year. Yeah, and I'm so fair-skinned, like, I couldn't imagine. I hear how... Aspen is nice this time of year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, hell, the climate in hell just doesn't really agree with me. Although I did live in Texas for a short while, so Oof. I guess I'd be all right. Yeah, and it, it's starting to get fucking muggy here in Virginia. Oh, my God. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, I was so like, sweating like a gypsy with a mortgage on the way over here. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the, uh, EP Mike, have I told gypsy stories on the podcast, or has that just been in private conversation? About singing? Gypsy stories. Have I told them on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I've had encounters with gypsies overseas, and let me tell you, not pleasant people. Uh, at least the ones I encountered overseas. Please don't hex me. Wait until you tell them they have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> a mortgage on what? The wagon? Well, that's the thing. That's the the whole joke is a gypsy's sweating because they have a mortgage. They're like, "Fuck, I've got to pay this for the next thirty years." And stay in one place. Stay in one place. Number one bullshit. <laughs> uh, sometimes I feel like a gypsy because I um yeah I think this is the longest er- time that I've ever lived in one area. Uh, my entire life, I've, I've been here for this 2012, so seven years. Is it your choice? Like, would you want to stay in this area? Or oh, most certainly. Just, yeah. So, you know, I, I four of those years was in the military, so I didn't really have a choice. But, you know, I, I went overseas quite a bit for work and recreation. And then I've been overseas quite a bit in my civilian life. Mm-hmm. I did, um, let's see here, something like 14 or 15 countries in, in the last seven years uh, just from here. And, um, yeah, just this year, like I just got back from Norway in a few days, I'm going to Mexico and then I'm heading down to, uh, in June, I'm going to Australia. So, um, any of our Australian listeners, if you're going to be near Sydney or Newcastle from, uh, I think the fourth through the eighth of June, uh, shoot me a DM and we'll, uh, we'll grab a beer, maybe fight a stingray, then Steve Irwin. <laughs> no, fight a kangaroo. Oh, that's Are on the list too. Me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah kangaroo and Throw emu. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of things that will be fought, and if I, if I make it back from this trip, I, I have failed to fight <laughs> enough animals. But yeah, I, I, I do like this area. It, it, it's super cool because like Norfolk gets a bad rap from the military because generally like you have a, d- a bunch of dumb fucking E2s who, you know, they live on the ship, so they give them housing allowance to go live out in town, but they're an E2, so they can't afford much. So they get an apartment in the fucking shitty neighborhood, and then all they do is drink beer and complain about how fucking shitty the area is. Well, Travel and Leisure rated Norfolk, the America's favorite city. Um, I think USA Today uh, rated Norfolk like the fifth most romantic city in the country. Like Norfolk's a dope city, especially the downtown area. Chesapeake is super cool because I got like cow pastures like 10 minutes south of where I live. You I've know? got chickens. Yeah. And bees. <laughs> <laughs> bees? Yeah. Literally saving the world. My, uh, my roommate is a beekeeper. Nice. In his spare time when he's not out saving the world. Nice. And, uh, and then, you know, you got Virginia Beach, the oceanfront like 20 minutes away. Like, I really like this area. I've been here as a civilian for about three years, and um, yeah, I could possibly see myself staying here. Like you know, if I if I dated a girl who was like um, you not know, a whore, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> too soon, <laughs> too soon, and not, 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 not like emotionally though, it's just like, uh, but just like you know, say like I you know if I dated a girl who was in the military or you know in uh, medical or law enforcement, and then you know, they either got orders or they got an offer to go to a different department, I wouldn't mind moving if it was like to support a family or yeah. whatever, but. Yeah, I think I could probably see myself staying here at least until um, <laughs> co-host Mike and EP Mike move. <laughs> then I might start seeking higher ground. But uh, but yeah, so I, I really like the area. I'd, I'd probably stay for a while, um, might move if that's what the, uh, the situation called for. But I've been in so many fucking, I've been over like 250, 260 some odd cities uh, across the world because I, I log things in TripAdvisor. Right. You know, like give reviews. Like Mike's taco stand was amazing. Maria's Tacos, not so great. Paris, Tennessee was the asshole of Tennessee. <laughs> Paris, Texas, asshole of Texas. <laughs> You're not wrong. Paris, France, <laughs> asshole of Europe. <laughs> no, there was a couple cool places. Uh, the Eiffel Tower is dope. Um, a few of the museums were cool. Like The French people that I met in Paris were pretty cool. Like The key is you have to like try to speak French, mm-hmm. and then, then they'll be like, no, no, I speak English. Like, But if you like come up to them speaking English, they'll t- basically tell you to fuck off. Yeah. So if you're like, bongiorno, gem appel, and they're like, no, no, I speak English. Bon- and- that's, that's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bongiorno. What is it? Uh- Riverderci. 
<laughs> but bonjour is you know uh, hello in French, so they yeah. think you're just butchering it. Yeah. And you know their their sensible ears, you know, don't want to, you have to hear their language butchered by you know, an American. Unless they're Tarantino fans, and then they get it. <laughs> then they get it. Yeah. And then I'm fucked because then they just think I speak impeccable French. <laughs> really holding up a facade. Uh, but yeah, but the French that I met outside of Paris, like those guys were assholes. Yeah. Yeah, one of them was just like, oh, I, I can't stand American cuisine. It's all the same. And I was like, lady, like, uh, France is smaller than Texas. You have, you know, your cuisine is just as different as in New York as it is in New Orleans, as it is, you know, in Atlanta, as it is in San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Like, you know, we have you know, 300 plus million citizens, which is crazy to think that, like, we have the most gun owners. We have the most incarcerated people per capita. Like, America is literally the fucking Wild West when you talk to foreigners. Like, people, like, they'll see me like, you're from America? Like, how many times have you been shot? And I'm like, unrelated. <laughs> My last time when I was overseas... Um I went to Europe. I spent um, most of my time in Germany, though. Went to Germany, Italy, and then the Czech Republic. Nice. And while in Germany, um, I remember specifically I was at the Hofbrau House. Um, Are you being paid to say that? No, I okay. wasn't. Like, Good. I trust your I trust your accounts from here on out. I, well, it was my dad recommended it to okay. me, and I was born in Germany. Oh so yeah, never of, would have guessed. Kind of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who can't see me, I... She looks like the St. Pauli's girl. I'm Hitler's wet dream, Oof. basically. Oof. Blonde hair, blue eyes. E.P. Mike just sold himself <laughs> in more than one way. There oh, is no. yellow, white, and brown. The smell. <laughs> Good thing these mics don't pick up scent. Um. So, anywho, I'm overseas and you know the Hofbrau house is obviously a beer garden it's um this uh giant brewery where they've got these really long tables um so obviously there's lots of uh you know talking to other people sitting down next to your party yeah and I remember specifically you know this group of people from England were there and you know they were talking and I was like oh you know you speak English. We speak English. This is awesome. You know, we yeah. haven't really had a chance to um, really talk a lot. There's been obviously a language barrier. I don't speak fluent German. Yeah. So you can only talk to somebody about so much. Um, so we're talking to these people and they're like, oh, you're from America. And then they start talking about gun laws and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how does it feel knowing that like your butter knife is banned asshole? <laughs> and naturally, uh, the people I was with, I was with my best friend, Corey and her husband, who's in the Marines. And, uh, we, we left shortly thereafter. Yeah. We were tired of them. Yeah. I, I was in uh, the UK and I, uh, ran into a group of Australians and uh, integrity. This is literally a conversation I had. Um, she uh, she was like, "What possible reason, uh, you know, would you need to carry a gun?" And I was like, "Well, you know, you're a you know small woman. What if you know somebody tried to take advantage of you and you couldn't fend them off? You know, wouldn't it be prudent to possibly have something to protect yourself with?" And I, I shit you not, this and that's why you know white people are serious when they say, "I shit you not." Um, this is what she said to me. She said, "I can always get medication and therapy, but you can never give." back that man's life really and the texan in me fucking lost it. <laughs> it as someone who being a female in law enforcement so a lot of your listeners may not be aware um the ratio of female to male law enforcement officers across the nation um is about one to 12 okay so for every 12 male officers there's about one of us female officers out there floating around just doing you know hood rat shit with our friends <laughs> um so Popping caps but i will say this as a female officer i've been kind of lended a unique perspective when it comes to law enforcement because oftentimes i get dispatched to sexual assault or crimes involving children um, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's been statistically proven that a sexual assault victim is just as likely to talk to a male officer as a female officer. Um, in my experience, I've only seen one female victim um, request to speak to a female officer. Um, but I get dispatched to a lot of those calls. Um, I get that because 
like with us, like whenever we had something where, you know, there was like a female involved, like it was always like, oh, we'll send the, you know, send the FET team out or send the lioness team out, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like, well, that's, you know, like you're here, like, you know, put that piece of the puzzle or, you know, that, that cube into that slot, you know? Yeah. And it, I understand it because oftentimes it's easy to relate to, you know, another woman. They don't feel as awkward or... Yeah, I feel like that shit would get like emotionally taxing, though. Yeah, like I would rather like send, like be like, okay, like so, do you want to go to the uh, the assault victim or do you want to go break up this bar fight? It'd be like fucking bar fight. Like send me there. Oh yeah, for sure. Like um, let me go fucking pepper spray myself. And in in internal affairs, I I, I have like a filing cabinet. I don't have a folder. <laughs> it's kind of a problem. Um, yeah, I have a reserve seat. So yeah, but um, we'll we'll save the taser stories for next time. <laughs> Oh, next time. So you're coming back. I, hey, I mean, I'm Mike's temporary replacement. <laughs> miss you, Bay. Oh, miss you so much. Aww. Please come back. He's just growing a white trash beard and eating Girl Scout cookies because his flight got delayed. Again. 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 Um, it's almost like EP Mike was in charge of <laughs> scheduling his flights. Good Boom. Job. Roasted. Good job. Um. So, but talking to victims of sexual assault, and that's not necessarily just females, because yeah. males can be victims of sexual assault as well. Um, but speaking with females, I've yet to meet a female who is truly the victim of a sexual assault who would rather take medication or go to therapy than to have eliminated that person from the equation. Yes, that's exactly what the fuck I said. Yeah. And But, like, you know, you have to understand, like, people across the world have, like, different beliefs and shit. And, like, we as Americans, we are a violent culture. We are a culture of war. We have spent 94% of the time that we've been a country uh, in one armed conflict or another. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there was, like, a brief period, uh, like, after the Civil War, where, like, all right, we good. Back-to-back <laughs> World War champs. Yeah. And... Which is another fucking thing. Yeah, I, I swear to God, if one more fucking person DMs me a meme about America losing, quote unquote, the Vietnam War. First of all, it wasn't a war, it was a conflict. Second of all, we dedicated more resources to taking the single island of Okinawa in World War II than we did to the entire Vietnam conflict. And third of all, fuck faces, if you look at the uh, kill-to-death ratios, America never lost a major battle in the war. So I don't know where the fuck they're getting this. I mean, granted, you could say that it was a failure of policy, but the fucking troops did a badass job. Like, there's a whole fucking generation of people who think that, you know, the fucking rooster is the Grim Reaper. You know, that, that fucking old song, Don't Feel the Ro- Fear the Rooster. Am I right about that, EP? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, okay, so I digress, however. Uh, so, I was going to say, that's a mic drop if I ever heard one. <laughs> yep. If I could afford to buy another one, I would. <laughs> <laughs> These weren't cheap. And yeah. So, yeah, you know. Uh, you know that and then you know there you know if you go on the wikipedia page american conflicts there will be a dozen different conflicts that you've never even heard of you know american men and women you know you know suffered and died in all kinds of shitholes all over the world and relatively forgotten but you know america is a culture of war and you know the fact that we have more gun owners than the uk and australia have citizens combined you know really really says a lot and so this violent culture with, you know, like the movies and the TV and the video games and, you know, the, the ultimate fighter and, and all that stuff. And not just that, but like, you know, you have, um, you know, the amateur sports, the contact sports and all, all the literature and uh, the books. Like, I don't think I've read a book in the last God, 10, 20 years that somebody didn't die in, you yeah. know? Um, actually I take that back. I read Sophie's world, but I only read that cause I was trying to impress a girl. Uh, it was Norwegian. Did it work for you? No, not at all. No. No. Uh, as as most things, girls don't appreciate effort. Uh, they just want that raw animal attraction, you know? Because girls decide, like, within the first 30 seconds or whatever, if they're going to bang a dude, according to some Cosmo study. Uh, <laughs> Depends on how much tequila I've had. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, uh, you know, America's a violent culture. And, you know, you, you see the way that, like, people uh, don't think about that way. If you read a lot of studies that were done in Canada, the reason why there's not as much gun violence, even though, like, there's cities that are literally across the street from Detroit, you know, like, right on the other side of the border. Mm -hmm. And so, theoretically, you you figured that would somewhat spread out, but Canadians have the theory, like, why would I point a gun at somebody? Like, that? that's insane. 
but in America, like you see all these like, you know, videos on social media, you know, where people are just, you know, randomly shooting out into crowds or into cities or as they're driving, um, you know, or pointing their guns at people or whatever. And it's just, I, I think it, it stems from a lack of education. Uh, you know, education is so important. And without the, uh, the, the encouragement of education and free thought, uh, free thought, people just regurgitate the opinions that they've heard of other people and mimic the actions that they've seen of other people. And then, you know, of course, without education, those lead to uh, degenerative situations. And now you have, you know, entire communities of, you know, people in all over, all over the country and you know, different communities, you know, doesn't matter, you know, what sect or group or race or religion, you know, every group has assholes. And whether you're in West Virginia or whether you're in Detroit, you know, there's going to be some ill-educated motherfucker, you know, shooting stop signs or doing something stupid and somebody gets hurt. And then you have to dispatch, you know, a law enforcement officer who's fucking tired and cranky because this is, the, you know, the third dumb shit call they've gotten that day. And you're just like, can I just have one nice day? You know, like, I mean, there what you said about education is so so true um my mom has been a teacher for the past 18 years um she teaches special needs children um and is a saint like i aspire to have the level of patience that she has and i know that i'm never going to have it but i digress (laughs) um education is so key um, there's a huge socioeconomic difference between, um, like culturally in America, between the middle class and people who live in poverty. Working, like, as someone who's worked in public housing, whether it's private or publicly, Section 8, um, the number one thing that you see when you walk into these homes, you know, you'll see a couch in one room a TV on the floor, clothes piled up in the corner of, like, the living room. You don't see any books. You know, you don't see people sitting there reading to their children. You'll see um, a mom who has multiple kids, you know, whether it's by different fathers, you know, is besides the point. Possibly even multiple jobs. You know, and that's something else, too. You know, you've got a lot of single moms who – are out there working or single parents, single income families where you've got one person in that family who is the sole provider and um, the problem is, is no one's reading to these kids. And so you sit there and like you respond to a homicide and you try to get a written statement from somebody as far as what happened and you're talking to them and you ask them to describe what have you. And even if they're willing to... tell you what happened they're not able to put it into words articulate exactly you know they can't articulate what it was that they saw what they what happened you know how to describe the person and there's a huge disconnect and so then you've got people who are you know uneducated received insufficient education you know and it's not the teacher's fault because the teacher only has that child for a certain period of time during the day it falls on the parents. And if the parents don't make education a focus for those families. Yeah. And also the individual. Right. You know, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's enough, uh, you know, blame and accountability to go around. You know, there, there are people who, you know, despite all their advantages and all the things that were given them into the world are going to be assholes. You know, they're going to take it for granted. They're not going to work hard. All the gifts that they were given, all the opportunities they were afforded, and, you know, they're going to they're going to fail. But then you have people, you know, who were in you know, situations like myself, like, uh, you know, I came from a house where my uh, biological mother had declared bankruptcy. I've had several last names. I spent, you know, time in, um, in battered children's shelter, living in the streets, you know, like I had absolutely nothing going for me. And, you know, fast forward 15 years later, you know, business owner doing the social media, I have, you know, uh, a fair amount of stuff going for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've, and I even feel like I'm not as far as I could have been because I dedicated so much time to the Marine Corps. But even just in the three years that I've been out, I feel like I've accomplished uh, a lot. And so, you know, you have somebody who was, you know, loving family, uh, you know, two parent home, two income home, they had the opportunity to go to college, you know, everything afforded mentors that could guide them and teach them and put them in the right direction. And they end up, you know, dead in a bathroom stall with a needle in their arm. Yeah. And then, you know, you have some, you know, disenfranchised, uh, you know, child of immigrants such as myself 
and you know I'm the first one to be born and raised in the U.S. in my family and uh, the continental U.S. and uh, fast forward, you know, now I'm contributing to the economy and uh, putting veterans to work and doing stuff. So yeah, it does fall on the teachers, it does fall on the parents, but ultimately it falls on that individual. Like this is a land of opportunity. How far do you want to go in life? If you're completely content with you know a middle income life or a lower income life, and all you want to do is be happy and you know and enjoy your TV shows, raise your kids, there's nothing fucking wrong with that. But you know if you aspire to success, and we've said this before on the show, that success isn't defined by you know uh, accomplishments or money. It's defined by happiness. And I often feel that the more I am educated about a subject, the more confident I am going into it, and the more confident I am, the less stressed I am, the less stressed I am, the happier I am. Yeah, absolutely. So educating yourself on something. If you don't know something, fucking look it up. I Google 20 or 30 things a day, every day, and only like four of those are porn related, so... (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to say, like, I won't talk about how many things I Google or research <laughs> during the day because my roommate and I have a pact that if one of us dies, like, we're definitely deleting the other person's uh, browser history you and know, destroying any electronics, <laughs> including external hard drives. There wasn't enough just that you have, because uh, I have uh, incognito mode permanently turned on my iPhone. So it's not just enough for that. Like, EP Mike, you better throw my phone in the fireplace. And, kill it and with let fire. It, yeah, kill it with fire. Yes. So uh, wrapping up, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Um, only final thought that I have is uh, if you ever want to do a ride along, um, feel free to reach out to your local law enforcement agency so you can educate yourself better about the field. Fantastic. And so uh, signing off for myself, uh, EP Mike, and uh, please say a prayer for uh, co-host Mike. He's not very religious, and so probably just piss him off more than anything, which is a delight to my heart. Uh, but <laughs> <Love> yeah, you, Mike. <laughs> please, please pray for his safety, because I know he's going to be listening, um, probably while he's flexing in the mirror. And uh, yeah, so if you have any ideas, any topics, uh, we love the fan art that we get from you guys. We post it all on our Instagram. Send nudes. Yes, that too. Uh, guy, girl, doesn't matter who you are. Just send them. <laughs> uh, one of the three of us will jerk off to it. So. Preferably women. <laughs> Bye. Bye.